Welcome to Indie Game Business, where you'll learn to navigate the industry with ease. Indie Game Business is recorded live on Mixer and produced by the Powell Group. Check us out at IndieGame.Business. Now, let's start the show with your hosts, Jay Powell and me, Indie. You've got to check out our Discord at discord.gg slash business. It's an amazing community of over 3,500 other industry experts. We've got developers, publishers, marketing and PR firms, investors, so, so many, so many. It's safe and supportive place to network and to talk to experts. You can learn more about the business of games or you can share what you know with others. We have exclusive workshops on perfecting your pitch deck finding a publisher and more remember it's discord.gg slash indie game business what's up everybody and welcome to today's exciting episode of indie game business my name is indy as you can see my name's right here and that's jay in the middle mr jay powell from powell group consulting and over there on the left we have elliot Callaghan, Callaghan, Cal see, I even enunciated so it wrong. Close. Callaghan, we had Callaghan. <laughs> that sounds very piratey, so very piratey. Callaghan. So, before <laughs> we get to Elliot, I have like exciting news to share, and it may just be news for me, but it's fantastic. So, Andy, you know this. One of the things that we constantly preach on the show is if you're a developer, you have to start your marketing like when you start your development. You can't do that whole, let's call Jay two weeks before we launch and say we need marketing and we have no money. I had a call last night with a developer and they said, yeah, we've been listening to the show and it got us thinking, you know, we're just about to have the demo, the initial, you know, playable prototype ready. And we feel like we should go ahead and start working on marketing right now. And Yay. I just like, it, it, it was a, a drop the mic situation. And I'm like, that's it. I'm done. We have reached <laughs> one developer and that is fantastic. And Yay. I am so excited that what we are doing with the show and with the discord and with all this other stuff has actually borne fruit. This is, I'm, I was, I was very happy, very excited. Well, I, you know what I've gotten? Well, well, you're, you're, you're that guy that's on there with Jay, right? <laughs> I'm like, I'm the star. No. <laughs> came to me when we started doing this. this uh, is that's awesome. That that's cool. awesome. I was very excited. And so, um, that was just, I just needed to share that because, you know, it, it's a big deal for me that I'm happy that we're actually making some sort of a difference now. So anyway, with that, that's my exciting news for the, for the morning. Uh, I want to welcome Elliot. And so, you know, thanks for being on and, you know, it's, it's a little earlier. It's not quite indie early for you this morning yet, but dude, I appreciate it. Welcome to the show. Dude, thanks so much for having me, and congratulations for the clouds opening up and the light shining down moment Aww. for the developer. <laughs> so happy, so happy. So, Elliot is with, and I don't even know your exact title at, at Unlock Audio. I mean, have you all, has the team broken down into titles yet, or is it just we're here as a team? It. 
it's just we're here at the team. I mean, technically, I, I would be the CEO. All the legal things have me as, you know, the governing member and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, within ourselves, like, we're all just, we've known each other for so long that our titles are our first. Awesome. That's awesome. Cool. So this is Elliot from, you know, <clears throat> Unlock Audio. He's the, he's the Elliot. So <laughs> can I, can I ask a quick, can I ask a quick question really quick, just cause I'm curious. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so you have like the, the sound foam on the, on the wall behind you, but there's only like 10 of them. Is that for looks or does that really make any kind of difference? I didn't know that was sound foam. Got it. So yeah, um, it's sound absorption panels. Sound absorption panels. Confused with soundproofing. Um, so soundproofing doesn't let sound into a space. Sound absorption basically absorbs the energy and converts the sound energy into heat. Um, so you actually don't want all of your surfaces covered with sound treatment in a room because it'll make it sound dead and just not good. Um, it would be better for me to have more of the wall covered, but because of where it's placed, it actually does have a significant impact because all the sound coming from my speakers here, where is it going after it first hits my ears? It's going straight behind me. Right. And then the amount that's reflected back at me, hence why they're placed right there, um, is reduced. Okay, okay. So that makes this sense. This is going to be a, a show record. We're actually going to get derailed before I even get to the first question. How do you go about figuring out where to put them and how to arrange them in the room? Because everything that, and I am like the non-audio person, when, when we see or when I've been in, you know, recording studios and things like that, it's like they have that eggshell stuff and it's all over everything. So how do you know that, how do you know that's where to put it and that that's effective and all, all of that kind of good stuff? Yeah. So. It's, um, well, you weren't kidding when you were like, yeah, we're going to get off track during the talk. <laughs> <laughs> These are the things um, people want to so, know, damn it. Yeah. Um, so it, it's kind of, uh, it's a law of diminishing returns per se. So there are usual problem areas in a room that you want to address first that are going to have the greatest impact. So um, like I have things in all the corners of my room, like you can see one of the things back there. Um, directly behind me, we have coverage of the walls um, and then you can't see it, but actually above me, I have an overhead, what's called a cloud, which is more of those panels, slightly different shape above me. So any sound that reflects off the surface of my desk here and goes up, uh, theoretically does not come back down. Um, and those are the three things that you want to take off, take care of first, because um, you'll get the greatest amount of effect from that. Then um, that really takes care of about 70% of most of the audio issues that are going to be in a typical room. And once you get beyond that, you have to put forth a lot of effort and a lot of calculations and things like that in order to really get that other 30% and just basically spend a lot more money in order to make it happen. So you spend less money up front and then more money as you get more detailed. Yeah, I mean, I think for all the you also can't see. Well, here, let me I'll just quickly the turn this around. Door. So, so um, as we turn around here, like you can see, there's sound treatment. There's my cloud up there. Um, there's tons of stuff like in all the corners. So, you know, all of that to treat this one room is approximately, I don't know, I guess maybe about four or five grand of sound 
treatment in the room right now. Once you want to get a, once you want to get above that, um, you're going to spend way more money for each percentage of like sound quality that you retain or or get from it. Wow. wow! Interesting. So, what is the what is the indie game version of this that doesn't cost four or five grand, or is it even pointless to do it? I always thought that was like a mattress in the closet. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, the uh, there are lots of things I've seen online where people will take um, I don't know, like egg cartons and just tape them on the wall and think they're doing something, and it's like maybe you're getting some diffusion from that, but you're really not. The materials used are very specific and purposeful. Long story short, to cut to your question, if you just want to be able to treat your room and be able to hear some sort of difference, just get what's called a London 12-pack. I think it's made by Prime Acoustic is the name of the company. But it gives you a couple of things for the corners, like maybe four or five of those panels that are back there. And you'll hear a difference, from that, but, but you know, it'll really be something. And so we've already got a question. We really did throw this one off the rails. Yeah. We've already got a question for you that I lost somewhere in here. Oh, I got it. I got it. I got it. Must you make a choice between soundproofing to keep sound out or sound absorbers to keep sound in equalized? Or can you have both? Ideally, you have both. Ideally, you're not letting anything outside come in and you're really reducing the amount of acoustic energy in the room itself. Um, but you really don't want to overdo it. Once you get above maybe like 80 or 85% like coverage in your room, um, you begin to lose a lot of the life in sounds. And, and ultimately, you want to capture whatever recording straight away and, and get just that signal on its own and not hear the room. But we also want it to sound good. And when we don't hear any of the room at all, most people tend to think that it sounds dull and lifeless. Um, so by not hearing stuff that's coming from outside and from reducing what we hear in the room itself, that's when you get that that sweet spot. So it's really, you want to have sound proofing as well as sound treatment. Okay. Look at, look at all this knowledge that we've already got before we even We are done. We've, we've learned it, everything. Yeah. So thanks for coming <laughs> by, Elliot. And um, <laughs> we're going to wrap it in. So let, let's start where we usually start. How did you get into games and, and walk us through your career up to this point? Got it. Um, so I originally, so first off, I started playing violin when I was four, um, guitar at eight, piano at 10, and then the computer at 20. I just didn't realize that you could make music with a computer until I was 20 years old, because that's when Daft Punk blew up. And then I was like, oh, no, this is like good stuff. I need to pay attention, because I was just so unaware. Um, originally went to school for architecture, hated it, was awful. And um, so I actually left architecture school and enlisted in the Army National Guard in order to, one, serve my country, but two, get education benefits so I could go to school for music. It's the only reason I have short hair. It used to be long, beautiful, and luscious. Um, you used to have the rock star hair? Oh, yeah. It was, oh, God, I, I used to be so cool. <laughs> <laughs> one of the parents at my, my son's school has that on a bumper sticker on the back of their mini I used to be so yeah. cool. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, my hair used to <clears throat> be long, and then one day when I was taking the shower, it got in my butt crack, and I'm like, babe, it's time to oh. cut it. 
That's what just maybe it's maybe it's time. It was it's time. I mean, I had it for so long. Oh, here's another question from uh, Anomalous Arcane. Do you have any suggestions for any decent quality mic camera setups that are somewhat inexpensive? The the mic. The question. Just general uh, mics to get. Um, uh, I. So first off, if you're getting any sort of USB mic, there's usually a limitation on how good that quality is going to be. Um, so you definitely want to get a mic that has uh, XLR. Um, that's the connection between the microphone and like your interface. And second, you want to get an actual audio interface. Um, so I know there was the, I think it was called the blue ball mic for a while, but it, but it was a USB mic that actually sounded pretty good. The snowball? Uh, there's the there Blue Yeti, the Blue Yeti and the, the Snowball. Um, yeah, Nightwolf, I, I have a Snowball. They sound okay. For yeah. 50 bucks, yeah. it sounds pretty good. Yeah. Um, and and for that, like, for the caliber of audio that you're you're looking for, like, it nails it. Once you want to take it up a notch, um, you then really want to get a separate audio interface. Yeah, you really want to get a mic with XLR and a separate audio interface. Um, and Focusrite is a brand that I use a lot. They have many different models depending on what, basically how intense you want to get with your audio, but you can get a really small external interface um, that just sits on your desk with like two inputs for, I think it's like 130 bucks. Yeah, I had one of those. Get... They worked really nice for streaming. Yeah. Great, yeah. And then, <clears throat> um, I know there's tons of I don't know there's tons of really great mics on there and I don't want to say like get this one particular model because if you want to record yourself speaking that's probably a whole different set of microphones considerations than if you want to record sound effects or foley or instruments and like getting into mics and live recording is such a deep topic um I don't want to I don't want that to take over this entire talk <laughs> right right because yeah you can get into it because it's like it depends like are you if you're female or, or if you have a very deep radio voice and you want to bring out your deep the depth of your voice you might want something different uh anomalous yep. arcane says Okay, so a Blue Yeti is sort of a top-notch USB. I can answer that because I've used Blue Blue for a long time. Even my mic that I'm using right now is Blue, but it is not. It's an XLR mic. But I like the Blue Yeti. They're just really big. I mean, they're like that yeah. big around. They are big. But I like it yeah. personally for a uh, for a. Not to just totally come in there, but for streaming, that's what I like. And for the camera, I use a Logitech C922, which is like a hundred bucks, and it it works really good. But yeah, yeah. Um, the two mics that I usually go to for like vocals right now, like right now, I'm talking through this one right here. It's a Rode NT1A. It's like their um, like vocal mic. They sell it in some packs with like the the um, mic holder and everything here. How much um, does that mic then, cost? I think the pack I got it in it was like 230 bucks, maybe. Oh wow, sounds great. Yeah. And then um, an SM7B is my like dynamic vocal mic. So if I ever want to record something that I have to like just yell and scream into for, I use that one because it won't break. This one might. Yeah, the Shure, you see a lot of streamers use that Shure SM7B. It sounds really good. It brings out a lot of depth. <clears throat> yeah, it helps give you like that late night smooth jazz but then like with the mic you're using now because the mic you're using now is a it's not a condenser mic right 
No, this is a condenser oh, mic. Oh, that's a condenser mic. So it doesn't, like the distance you are from the mic doesn't change the way your voice sounds. Where a condenser, where, where like the other one is like the closer you get, the deeper it brings out your voice, right? Yeah, so with the condenser, if I want, well, I mean, you can probably hear it as I get closer to this mic and it's just getting way more and more bassy, right? Right, right. Because um, it's getting that proximity effect and you're actually hearing the sound of my chest cavity in addition to the sound my vocal folds are creating. Um, and it still happens with dynamic mics, but it's far more prevalent with condenser mics like that one. Okay. All right. Well, we totally derailed you, but let's get back to the meat of this stuff. Let's get back to indie audio. Jay's over here. We got to look at Jay. He's over here laughing. It is because I, you know, this is the part of game development that goes like right over my head. It's, it's, it's like my version of audio for this show is, is my mic working and do I have <laughs> the right one plugged in? And that's, yeah. that's the absolute extent oh no of, it's it's you're fine to derail you're fine but yeah i mean that's what this show does. we're here to answer questions and help people out so all right so, i know you've got a big beautiful list of questions though jay i do okay. you know and we'll see how many we actually get through so elliot when a a team is starting you know they're, they're working on the game what's the first thing that they need to do when they start planning or thinking about audio solutions in the game got it um just backpack real quick um previous question that we derailed on went to school for music <laughs> got a degree went to school for sound design worked in trailers and commercials for a while decided last year i wanted to focus on games even though i've been working in games worked in a bunch of other industries and now we're here okay so now your current question <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'm glad that it's a shitload more like organized than I am. It's just like... uh, so first thing that um, a team needs to do is one not wait to think about audio. Um, and oddly enough, the biggest reason for that is because of kind of the last process in terms of audio. Um, so Usually you have to think about what you're trying to do, like what your goals are, how you're going to accomplish them. Then you go about actually creating the assets, maybe creating a couple different iterations of them until you hit what you're looking for. And then finally you implement those assets with your engine or using middleware or some other proprietary solution. Um, the biggest reason for someone to bring someone in into talks about audio early on is because the way that you structure things in like your scenes and your your unity unreal projects whatever all of the way that you the ways that you lay those bones in your session can have drastic effects in terms of the options that are available for actually implementing those audio files so if you aren't thinking about or having an audio person saying hey um if you're doing it this way, that means that we have these options on the audio realm that can inform a lot about what you're going to try and do and like make you aware of some really great opportunities. Lots of times teams wait until they're basically like 70% done with the game. And then the audio people just have to do and fit with what's already there. And because so much is already laid, there may have been a ton of opportunities to make stuff really cool and awesome that it's just, there are too many things piled on top, too many other layers, and it's just not possible anymore. 
I mean, and, and that's the way it goes with with marketing and a lot of aspects of game development. We, I mean, we talk about it with with localization as well. You know, that's one of those things that sometimes it gets thrown in later in development, but you have to absolutely be thinking of it. You know, day one, and so it it's good. And it's like, I know that this stuff needs to be thought of day one, but I mean, a lot of indie teams, it's, they have limited resources. They're doing all they can do to get, you know, everything else going. And then somebody goes, oh yeah, we need sound. Um, or they're just making like their first game or something. And they're just like, all right, well, let's just make a game. Yeah. And yeah. And so it leads into the next question. It's, it's, and this is where I see, you know, when I'm on Facebook or Reddit or, or any of these dev places, this is the question that comes up, or this is the advertisement that pump comes up. I mean, there are a lot of free sound libraries out there. With all of that, why should a developer need to hire someone when they have all of this access to free stuff? Sure. So, um, frankly, a lot of those sounds just aren't good. <laughs> um, <laughs> Well, it's it's kind of funny because in the classes that I teach at DePaul University, we do this thing called Awesome Audio, where um, every week there's two to three kids that get up to the front of the room and they play something that's about a minute long with just cool audio in it. And it can be like anything as long as it's from a piece of media. So lots of times it's games or trailers or movies, whatever it happens to be. It just can't be the latest like Lil whatever rapper album that dropped, you know. Um and, Low whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, the, the thing is that we talk a lot about why something sounds good, right? Like, they, for so many of them, they aren't used to talking about or articulating what they're hearing. And so it's a really great exercise in getting them to begin to actually communicate to someone about sound. And lots of times they don't know what to say. They know it sounds really good and they can't really tell you why. Um, and I imagine for a lot of developers, yeah, exact, exactly. <laughs> for, for a lot of developers, um, like they'll hear stuff that sounds good and they won't have any idea why. Um, and I would say that for a lot of these sound packs, they're very okay and kind of generic sounds in that like you need a gunshot and like, oh yeah, there's like, that's a gunshot. But to have one that is tailored for your specific experience, for the art style that you have, um, for other considerations that may be specific to your game, and for it to also have that good quality to it is asking a lot of a free sound pack from someone who made a thing that has never thought about or looked at your game. <laughs> So basically, you get what you pay for. Essentially, yeah. Right. Both in terms of quality and it being customized for your thing. Right. Uh, you know, I'm a 3D animator, and so when I used to, I would animate in it for. I it, it was called Indie Animation Studios, and we do custom animations for games. And then all of a sudden, the animation packs would come out, and the, that's when they started coming out. You could pay 15 bucks, you can get like 100 animations, and I'm like, those are great, you know. But it's not custom for your game, so you're going to be dumping those animation packs, and there'll be another game that has the same kind of animations, you know. Um, it's all like 
really about quality versus cost versus whatever. So it's really about finding a balance, I think. We we do have another question from Nightwolf. Since the audio should be made early, which audio file format is best for game music, sound effects, and vocals? Are they different for each type? I'm thinking that it might depend on engine and intended total game file size. Got it. So I, I wouldn't say that you necessarily have to make the audio early, but you have to have the audio people in the discussion from the very beginning. Again, just to plan out logistics, implementation, stylistic, aesthetic, all that sort of stuff. In terms of file types, um, you're probably going to want to maintain the file fidelity as much as you can until you basically can't anymore. And different engines um, have different... Um, I guess, formats that they'll convert like WAV files to. So what you're going to want to do is, is basically have the highest bit rate um, and sample rate for the audio files that you have when you're actually putting them in the engine. Now, what that engine does is it'll either convert it to something proprietary to that engine, or um, if it gives you an option like, hey, what file types do you want me to change this to because these high-fidelity files are so <clears> massive <throat> I can't use them, I would suggest that you probably use Vorbis or .ogg files. Um, and that's basically because you can degrade bit rates on them far lower than most other files, and they still end up sounding pretty good. Um, if you degrade the bit rate of an MP3, it sounds begins to sound terrible pretty quickly. Hmm, I didn't know that. Yeah. I always wonder what the hell an OGG file was. I'm like, why not just use an MP3? <laughs> Yeah. Well, and the other thing too is is OGG Vorbis. It's open source, so it's it's mm. free. People can use it. Technically, if you're using an MP3, you actually have to pay for that codec. Technically, interesting. I don't know how often it happens, but interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Who do you pay? Um, I f I forget. Me, Jay. Off the top, <laughs> yeah. Send think, me the money, dude. Was MP3? <laughs> I think MP3 may have been developed by Microsoft. I think, maybe. That's interesting. But so, technically, yeah. When they start, we talked about you know when they should bring in the audio experts, and it's, it's like you said, planning as early as possible. What should they be looking for? Because there are a lot of audio outsourcing companies and, and providers what should they be looking for in an audio expert? And, and is there a difference between good sound effects and good music? How do you start going and looking and, and triaging basically all the options that are out there? Sure. So, I mean, the biggest thing is whether they have a portfolio that you can readily look at. Um, one, just to know that they're experienced, but two, get an idea of the style that they tend to work in. Um, and in terms of looking at like sound effects versus music, again, look at that portfolio, it'd be great. But then also see what questions that they're asking you about it. Um, there was someone I talked to recently who was working on a game and they have, like the narrative was an important component of their game. And when I was talking to them, they said, yeah, this happens, then we're in this place, and like all these really cool, important things happen in the story. And they told me that they were really not happy with the music that they were hearing. And I said, well, what types of questions were they asking you? And they were like, well, they didn't 
ask me any questions. <laughs> it was like, no, like they need to be asking you a ton of questions because like they're not writing their music. They are writing music for your game. So they need to get into your head. They need to figure out what kind of experience you're trying to create. And if anything, they should probably even be challenging you on some of the ideas that you have. Um, so if you get someone that is just saying yes to anything and everything, not challenging you, not asking you questions, that's a huge red flag. Because there's a fine line between, um, you know, I, I, I am an expert in this subject and you're just paying me to do what you tell me to. And I'm an expert in this subject and you need my expertise to work on this project. Yes. Yeah. If you get someone that is just merely doing what you tell them to do, like there's a reason why you're hiring an audio person because they know what to do with audio. Right. So if they add, have the attitude of, well, you didn't tell me about this or, you know, you never mentioned this, like a, a smart, experienced audio person is going to realize that you as the developer don't know all the information that the audio person needs and so they're going to take it upon themselves to ask you all of those questions and make sure that like you're communicating everything that they need that is their responsibility right, real, real quick Andy did you like post the, on our discord that we were live I have I did not okay I, I was I, I I, I admit, okay I'll, no I'll, did you want to do it I was focused on my tooth pain and the little bit of Jack Daniels in my coffee to uh <laughs> Fucking stop you my need pain. To suck it up, walk it off, Andy. All Shut right, up, so. dude. I'm a big dude. I am like the biggest sissy when it comes to pain, right? Just because I look fucking, just because I'm six foot five, four hundred pounds, and look mean, doesn't mean that uh, I like pain. Okay. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll do it in a minute. I just want to make sure. I didn't miss no, something I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. Like, um, I, I got it. I got your back, man. All right. So now, and, and now I lost my question. All right. Okay. So. How much do they need to budget for this? I mean, because we, like we said, you're going to get what you pay for, but especially with an indie team, there's just, you know, money's tight, you know. So how much, you know, in general, should they be looking to spend on audio? Well, so I think that it varies widely on the experience that you're trying to create. Um, there's a friend of mine who's writing music for a game and their entire budget for the whole game was $70,000 and they're paying him $30,000 for the music, which I think is just a massive anomaly. But when you learn about the project that they have and how integral music is to the final experience, you're like, oh, okay, I get it. Um, I mean, this is like Crypt of the ne Neck of Dancer type thing? So, sort of kind of thing, yeah. So it's like, okay, this is that integral to the experience. Um, you know, for other games, and, and you know, as much as I was kind of like talking down about sound effect packs and whatnot earlier, like if you, you know, really don't have a large budget, like a sound effect pack can be like a huge savior and can make it so people aren't necessarily like this is awesome but they don't look at what you create and think this sucks and, and laugh and laugh inside their head or think yeah this sucks like um, somebody talking through a freaking ten dollar microphone and it's all yeah yeah exactly so i you know like sound effect packs and what's not and, and whatnot like they have their place and they can be really helpful to certain teams um but i know with unlock audio um we've said that audio should be approximately 12 to 15 percent 
of a developer's budget when they're creating their game. Um, again, that depends on the type of experience you're trying to create, the budget that you have overall, um, but that's kind of a good benchmark to aim for. Good to know. So who, who should be the person managing the audio team? Is this like, you know, producer role or does the designer need to be involved or, you know, how, how do you effectively go about managing that external studio without just, you know, completely drawing the whole project off its rails? Sure. So it depends on what sort of audio outlet you're working with. So, so there are a number of audio outlets that specialize in one thing. So this place just does incredible, amazing voiceover or implementation or sound effects or music. And if you have a different outlet for each one of those, like if you have a massive project and you're splitting things up that way, then there's probably a producer on your team that is managing each one of those things, right? Um, in the indie space, there are a lot of audio folks that are beginning to do more and more and saying like, hey, I will do voiceover and sound and music and you know, like ideally everything. So if that's the case, um, and the dev team is telling the audio people what to do and what to create, then that producer on the dev team becomes the point person with that audio person or that audio company. Um, with Unlock, we operate differently because we do all of those services all at once. And I basically become the point of contact with the developer and we generate all of the assets and conceptual ideation and all of that and then say to the developer, here's all the awesomeness that we wanna make for you. And then if they're like, yeah, this looks great, then we're like, cool, and then we just take care of it. So it's basically like, we're just this separate audio thing that is constantly pinging them and showing them our progress, but we're not actively being managed by them because it just makes things easier for everyone. And, so, and that's what we see in, and that's what we always recommend on the business side as well. It's no matter who is actually coordinating with the external team, it's always better to have a single point of contact on both sides. Yep. That way things don't get lost in the middle and, you know, it, it goes back to the whole, if everyone's in charge, then no one's in charge type thing. Too many um, cooks in the kitchen? Yeah, because then they all start ignoring the soup. You know, that's that's the problem. You know, it's like, I think, they, I thought they were handling it. No, I thought they were handling it. So, um, you know, that that's good. So what about best practices, terms, language, you know, when you're when you're not an audio person and you're you're managing it because you know I'm the one that's like you said earlier, you, you play me a song or you play me sound effects and I'm like, I like that or I don't. I can't go into the whole well, I think the bass is too deep or I don't you know, the fidelity, fidelity is just a magic word to me. I don't know how to look at it sounded <laughs> anyway. So what? It's the five is too are, low. <laughs> yeah. So what are the best practices for, for managing, you know, a communication? Are there certain terms that you should be using? How do you speak to the audio team in a way that they get it? I am so glad you asked that because I feel like that's the biggest difficulty um, in communication is just 
words that we use all the time as non-audio people can mean very different things in audio realms. Like, like example, Indy right there said, it's too low. What do you mean by low? Yeah. Did you mean the volume's too low? Or like, it's, it's, I don't know. I have no idea what that even means. So. But, but I mean, that's the thing. So um, the three biggest things that I would say are think about... Um, all right, so first, like the volume of something or the audio term for it, the loudness of something. Like, that's one thing in, in, again, my classes that I teach is I say, we don't, we don't say loud or soft in here. We talk about the loudness, you know, and like kids get kudos points if they use the term loudness. But it's, it's because if they use that, an audio person knows exactly what they're talking about. Like, like we need to bring up the loudness, you know, that, that means something very specific. Or if you want to use other terms like high, low, soft, all, all that sort of stuff, but then you pair it with, with telling the audio person, I'm talking about loudness, they will know what you mean. Um, so that's the first one. The second one would be pitch. So the difference between, you know, playing different keys on a piano, like each key like, is a different versus note. like do re mi fa so la versus do re mi fa so la, right? Like different octaves, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, well, like do re mi, those are all separate notes, and those are all separate pitches. But um, if we played them at the same loudness and they're all on the same instrument, the only difference between them in theory would be the pitch, right? So again, if you want to say, yeah, the pitch is too high or too low or stuff like that, and again, just pair it with that word pitch, audio people will know exactly what you're talking about. And then lastly is probably the word that um, most non-audio folks um, don't know about, which is the word timbre. And it's, it's spelled really weird. It's T-I-M-B-R-E. Um, that's, that's the sound a tambourine makes, right? <laughs> no, that's and the sound uh, you say whenever you are in the south and you fall a tree. Tambour! <laughs> you know, I gotta say, I'd heard Jay's tambourine joke before. I had not heard that one, so kudos to you, man. That's, <laughs> I think outside the box, man. That's, that's, that's the pain medication talking. It's the Jack Daniels <laughs> at freaking 9 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> um, but, but tamper is, um, I've also heard people use the term color to describe it. It's kind of the aesthetic and audio quality of it. So um, it's the difference between playing middle C on a piano and playing middle C on, say, a cello or a flute. So they can be the same loudness. They can be the same pitch. But one sounds like a piano, one sounds like a cello, and that difference is what we call timbre. So again, there's tons of different ways that you can describe the timbre of something, but if you tell your audio person, hey, it's something about the timbre, like that that tells them something that they will immediately understand and they won't confuse it with loudness or pitch. Right. All right. Does that answer your question, Nightwolf? Because Nightwolf said for game devs without audio experience and audio linguistics, how can they be extremely specific? I mean, I think that really answered. Um, he says, just try to explain the game atmosphere or compare it to other games. Is that another uh, way to explain things? Or Yeah, I mean, so again, like as an audio person, like they should be making your vision as the game developer or designer happen. Um, and so communication is paramount. So those words that I use can be really helpful, but to, to even forego the whole thing of language and to make it 
even more straightforward. If you have a video or a reference or a piece of music or something else, and you can just hit play and say like that, um, that's even better. So if you can have that clip and say, I want it to be like this, and then have a discussion after that clip, and then use those terms like loudness, pitch, and timbre in the discussion with the audio person, <clears throat> you can get real specific in terms of like having that conversation. I like it. Loudness, pitch, and timbre. Yep. LPT, so, basically. We, we've got about 15 minutes or so left, and so I want to get into a lot of the stuff that you all have been doing at Unlock because that's, it's new. And that's what, you know, in full disclosure, you know, Elliot's a client of ours. And one of the reasons he's a client of ours is because he came to us and said, you know, we've done something, we've got a new way of looking at, you know, audio solutions for, for developers. And, and I really like it. So tell us about you know the system that you've put in place with, with with your team at unlock and what kind of research what kind of stuff went into designing it how did you get to this final you know product that you've got now and of course you yeah. know, give, give us an overview of the actual product that would be good too sure so again before late last year i was working in every industry that basically had audio and music so that included games but games was maybe like a third of what i did and i was also working in like commercials and and trailers like all the brown angry stuff that you see Brum. before movies like i was was writing that music um and i decided last year i wanted to focus on games and my wife works in design and innovation and to incredibly oversimplify what she does, she solves the problems people actually have, not the problems they ask her to solve. Um, so I went to her and I said, hey, I think I wanna focus on games. Can I get the husband discount? And like, can I go through this research process with you um, so I can go about it in like a new way? Luckily, she loves me, and she said yes. And <laughs> she only charged me like a third of the normal rate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so we went through a research process for a few months, where she asked me to put her in touch with a bunch of different developers. We looked at how audio outsourcers were operating. We interviewed a ton of different developers, and came up with a number of patterns that we saw all the time. So the first thing was that teams. Uh, we're tired of having like four or five different audio pieces, outlets, vendors that they had to work with because it just becomes a lot. They want to be able to go to one person and say, take care of all of the audio. So music, VO, sound effects, implementation, all of it. Second is that a lot of the ways in which the industry currently operates um, were kind of grandfathered in from linear media. So like, like case in point, if you're writing the score for a film, you know exactly how long that film is, like assuming you have a final cut, right? Um, so if it's, hey, we charge per minute of music, that makes sense because that minute happens once you wrote it and it's it's a thing. In the game industry, if you, especially if you're creating an interactive score, you may create one piece of music with a bunch of different layers and is that really one minute of music or depending on what layers you have coming in and out, is it actually like three or four? So either way, however you structure it, um, someone feels like they're getting burned. Um, and same thing with sound effects assets as well. Um, 
again, just grandfather for linear media. Second off was um, we saw that teams were either like totally valuing audio and getting it, or teams totally weren't. So we said, well, how can we, like in the way that we structure things, make sure that we communicate the impact that audio can have and also kind of ensure that we're working with teams that that want us to make awesome stuff for them that we're just not this thing like that's just like yeah go away um and so we heard developers were grouping things differently not as sound effects assets not as all those things but they were saying hey i have a character or i have a location or a level or i have an interface and i just want the audio to be great for that thing and they were even grouping things into that way for other aspects of the development like character animations or environment or location art right so we said well why don't we begin to group audio needs that way as well so um with unlock we don't look at how many ass accounts we just say hey you have a character all right we're going to make the audio for a character and that's that's it so that's going to be like maybe a character theme depending on the arc of the gameplay that's going to be that video that's going to be that sound design and we're just going to make all the audio for the character so that when we're making all of those assets we're bearing in mind that these are all for a character and not all these like things that are kind of like separated in a thing on an excel spreadsheet that a dev sends us so one we group services that way but two we also price things based on a percentage of the development budget because another problem that we heard all the time was that developers were asking audio outsourcers how much does it cost to do audio from a game and it would take 40 emails back and forth um before them to arrive at some agreement then it would turn out that the developer who's not an audio expert wouldn't really have an accurate estimate of what they needed and it would be 40 more emails and then during development um things almost inevitably change and then it would be another 40 emails back and forth and devs really hated that so instead we said well let's just say we're this percentage each one of these facets can be split apart and can be this percentage of your development budget. And that way there's no questioning, there's no things are changing, there's no all of that stuff. It's just straightforward and transparent. It's reliable and predictable. And uh, it lets us just worry about making something sound really great and awesome as opposed to haggling over how many specific assets we're gonna make for something. So it's yeah. more inclusive from the beginning of the project. So you don't have to worry about, okay, well, we're going to do 15 revisions. And, you know, it, it's a much more collaborative from day one. And everybody understands the amount of investment that's going to be in there because you can uh, you can section it off into these little, um, not segments is not the word I'm looking for, but what, what's the term, Elliot, on the, on the site? So um, we we use the term modules. Modules, so that's just, it. I knew it was yeah. something in there. Yeah, so someone can go in and say, hey, I need scoping and objective guidance because I'm not really sure what I need. And then we can come in and say, these are all the awesome things available in terms of audio. And we can do that for a character, for an interface, for the entire game. Um, or if someone says, I already know what I need, I just need you to make all the audio assets, we have modules for that. And same thing for implementation. Hey, you know, like, I just don't have the bandwidth, my programmer's busy, I already got all my assets, can you just implement this stuff? So it lets people get exactly what they want in the ways that they're actually thinking about developing them.
So, and to do this, and this is the beauty of, of what you've done, and I'm posting the link in chat right now. For those of you on the podcast, you just need to go to tool.unlockaudio.com and you can sit there before you even get on the phone with Elliot and say this is and figure out how much these different things are going to cost and what it entails and all stuff because they have built a pricing tool directly into their website. And Elliot's got a you know wonderful promotion going on now. Tell them what happens if they go ahead and, and at least try out that pricing tool between now and the 13th. Yeah, so um, right now, if you use the pricing tool, play with it, mess with it, look at it, it gives you an opportunity to submit your email address. So if someone is interested in working with us, um, like they can just send us all their selections and their email, we'll reach out. But right now, if they use the tool and submit their email address, we'll go through a whole discover phase for their game for free. So we'll come in and we'll say, here are all the opportunities for audio to really accentuate and reinforce the experience you want to create. Um, and we're even going to go so far as to help them create an asset list for them. So if it's a team that really doesn't know the first thing about how to approach audio, we're going to say, here's the things that like you can use with us or with someone else. And here's an asset list for you to ask for with them. So it's a great way for us to like initiate some relationships, help some teams out and get the word out that we exist. And, and it's it's extremely easy to use. That's the best part of it. You, you don't have to go in and go, I, don't, I need a trailer, but I don't know how much that's gonna cost. Cause you plug it in and it says it right there. It's, it's super, yeah. super, super easy. Yeah. So we've only got about five or 10 minutes left. If you've got questions out there, anything audio related, and I know we have at least one more that we're gonna, you know, question from, from the audience we're gonna get to. Now's the time to do it. You know, you can, find us well hell if you're watching this then you know where we are that's kind of redundant you know where we're, at. we're right here yeah, in front of your face anyway <laughs> we have fancy 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 restream tools so no matter where you type in your question it's going to pop up on our on our list hopefully um so Face, facebook's kind of wonky nightwolf's got a new question andy or did we already get that one um, he, my Nightwolf was just saying that footsteps probably depend on the type of oh, ground. Uh, we were talking about footsteps, et cetera. Our examples, was, dry, um, wet, concrete, wood, snow, blood, hollow, et cetera. Those are some creative examples of, of, of footsteps. Dry, yeah, wet, concrete, wood, snow, blood, hollow. That's, <laughs> that's a game designer mind right there. The, the one above it. Is that how many different unique sounds should I have? Oh, there we for go. Things like footsteps and gunshots. What other kinds of events should have multiple sounds? Should there be a variation in UI sounds or should a button sound the same every time you click it? Oh, that's good. Yeah. I mean, so... <laughs> A lot of that comes down to, again, the experience you're trying to create. So I don't want to give a catch-all answer that says buttons should always do this. Um, I, I will say that there are a lot of opportunities in terms of implementation to take relatively little content and be able to give it variation, which can give the illusion of a lot of content. Um, but I don't think... 
I don't think it's a good idea to say a button or a UA or I or a whatever should always do this thing. Like I know whenever we come in and begin working on a project, um, we're kind of, we're asking them a lot of questions to get a sense of what type of experience they're trying to create. And then we're taking that and interpreting it into how can audio reinforce that. So it may be that the button always does the same thing. Like one of my favorite games in terms of audio is honestly papers please um and that's like a super dry like half the kids in the class when i show it to them like hate the footage and they think this game sounds like crap and they're like they're not even trying it's so dry like there's no voiceover and it's so boring and i'm like yeah but like think about the idea of them trying to give the experience of you being that person at that I guess like immigration post there and how much that has to draw on you as a person. So like you can look at it as, and say, yeah, it's not detailed and there's not much variation and it's super boring, but I'm like, Oh my, but that's what they were trying to make, you know? Um, so it's um, one of those things that it's yeah. like, it's so good that you don't notice it. Yeah. Well, and dude, that's kind of the, 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 um, the thing about audio is that, no one noticed for the most part people don't notice your audio when it's really good they only notice it when it's bad yeah yeah it's the same thing with animations too it's like you're watching a game something only stands out to you if it is glaringly bad you know what i mean yeah yeah exactly so are there is there anything else that you want to cover today elliot i mean anything did we miss anything in, in, in talking about all of this I I would just say as a um, closing remark, I guess, that um, I think devs should give a lot of time into thinking about, one, the overall experience they want to create, but two, thinking about how audio can really, really reinforce it. Um, it's happened to me in the past where devs don't even want to think about what they need or why they need it. They just want to say, just give us the looping music. And I, ah, that's just such like one as an audio person that doesn't excite me, like, you know, and <laughs> two, it's really, I can almost guarantee you that just going to the looping or the one thing or the sound pack is not going to be the best way for your game to stand out and for your vision to actually happen. So take some time to think about what you want and what you're trying to accomplish and some really cool ways to go about it with audio before you actually do anything. And, and I love the idea of showing examples because this is, this is what we talk about when, we're, when we say, you know, when we go out pitching games too, you, you can't just go in and say, hey, look, I'm making a first person shooter because there's a shitload of first person shooters. So you, you have to go in and say, I'm making something like Doom, but with this. And so you need to be thinking along the same lines with your audio. You know, you don't just need background music, you need the ambient music and sounds from this area in Legend of Zelda, but with a more steampunk atmosphere. Did, did I do that right? Does it? Yeah, yeah. Well, and and well, I think from an aesthetic that would sound like crap, point, Jay. <laughs> Legend of Zelda no, no. steampunk. 
for, from, from an aesthetic and stylistic standpoint, yes, 100%. And that's definitely part of it. But to take it even to another step, like let's say we have our steampunk or whatever aesthetic it is, and we're in gameplay, right? What kind of experience do you want to create? Is it very fast paced? Do you want audio and music to really reflect like what's happening in terms of gameplay like right now? Um, like I, I love the soundtrack to Doom, one, because I'm a metalhead, but two, the way they implemented it is that you know, that music is ebbing and flowing constantly with encounters and enemies coming in and like amps you up because it's all about that gameplay experience. Like locations and environments in Doom look really cool, but there's it's not like you're on like the new space station or like the new hell or the new like whatever like you're you're in these cool looking places and it's badass and you're just like killing things. So they said, hey, music is going to like very closely reinforce the gameplay and we're not really going to have music reinforce the location so much and it's really successful in doom so again thinking about it in those lines like one we've got our aesthetic of metal but two what are we trying to reinforce and create with this experience and taking it to that level it's like you know that there's some shit about to happen. I was playing Hello Neighbor Hide and Seek, and you know you're you're hiding from somebody, and you know that they've seen you because the music starts fading in, da, 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 and you're like, "Oh shit, I'm ready to get it. I gotta get out of here." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or even like, um, what is it? Uh, Amnesia: The Dark Descent. Mm -hmm. Like so much of that is just audio cues that just mess with you and. Or like Dead Space, like it's just the audio, and they're like, "Ah, we're just gonna mess with them." Yeah, I, I'm a horror um, movie freak, really and, and and I love that, uh, like the you know the music's going, and then all of a sudden it's dead silent, and you're like, "Hey, something's about to happen. There's some <laughs> shit that's gonna happen, or not, or they're tricking you." Oh, uh, we got another question from Nightwolf. How difficult it is to get everything right for horror game audio, like Amnesia, Soma, and Hellblade. Feels like there's more to think of than rapid action games that are mainly music. I again every game is different and I don't want to say a broad thing for every individual for for a genre but um I think that audio so to be scared um audio is one of the strongest senses that we have to elicit that instinctual reaction and because of that I think there's a lot of thought put into audio experiences and choreographing any everything in a lot of horror games that isn't necessarily done in a lot of other genres but not because it's like bad but because it's they're trying to do something else like the uh kind of sounds when they're like cutting up up something or <laughs> you know, yeah, That's not yeah. exactly the first thing I thought of when you made that sound. But okay, we'll go with that. I wish you had video so I could see exactly how you. But yeah, maybe, maybe it's better <laughs> if we didn't. I don't know. Uh, the best sound that I could make is. <laughs> That's the best. Uh, That's actually very sound impressive. Effect. Yeah, I'm. Not, wow. Okay, way to go. So I, I'm hired. It's a million dollar talent. You, 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 no, because all I got to do is put a boom mic over here on Elsa when she starts snoring. And, you know, th then we have that aspect of it, too. Um, all right. So last question I have, you know, being the non-audio person. 
how do I know that the music or the audio that I'm getting from a provider is good from an audio standpoint when I'm not an audio person? Got it. Um, again, I, I think references are important. I think you should know what you want. You should know what you want because of the questions and challenges that your audio person is giving you. So you should have an idea because they've helped you figure out what you need, what you want, and then have those references and literally and literally compare them. Um, there is going to be maybe a limit on the implementation systems and maybe on the overall quality of music and sound effects and whatnot, where you're not going to be able to directly say, hey, this doesn't sound like Call of Duty, so like, wow, I'm angry, you know? But um, if it still is engaging and it's accomplishing the things that you want and you compare it to Call of Duty and maybe it's not quite on the same level, but it just doesn't sound like bad, then like you're probably fine. Like, you know, or just find another reference that's in the realm of what you're looking for. Like, even when I'm mixing music all the time, I always have a reference track, not because I'm trying to borrow like any composition stuff, but because I said, when I listened to this for the first time, I said it sounded good. So then I just literally A and B them. And I'm like, does mine just like sound pretty close to that for an overall mix? And, you know, just, just compare them. Awesome. Thank you, dude. Awesome show. So go check out Unlock Audio's, you know, pricing tool. And, and like I said, if you do this before December 13th, you're going to get entered into a, a handy dandy drawing for um, some some free work, basically. But go to tool.unlockaudio.com. Uh, check it out there. Elliot also has a fantastic newsletter he sends out. And it's it's full of nice thought provoking, you know, really good ideas and suggestions and all that sort of good stuff. So I would highly recommend that as well. I subscribe to it, you know, not just because he's a client, but because I actually enjoy reading it. Um, and, and as always, you can find us on Facebook and, and, and Twitter and Mixer and YouTube and even on LinkedIn. But if you want to chat with us directly, you know, talk to Elliot, talk to any of the other guests that we've had online, uh, hit our Discord server up. It's just simply discord.gg slash indie game business. And I think that covers it. Did I miss anything? No, I think you got it. Also, I think that's it. Uh, I will say that if anyone um, isn't sure how to use the pricing tool, we tried to make it as self-explanatory as possible. But if you just go to unlockaudio.com, go to the pricing page, we even have a video that says, here's how to use it if there's confusion. Exactly. All right. Well, thank you, everybody. We will be back next week. We're not going to have a show Friday, but we will have two shows next week, and then we're going to take a little break till the new year. But if we don't talk to you, have a wonderful holiday season, and we'll see you soon. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Elliot. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to Indie Game Business. You can learn more about the show and our online business networking events at IndieGame.Business.